Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It is Friday, the sixteenth of December, twenty twenty-two. Um, have you been Christmas shopping? Have you been to the mall? So it was in April of 2019 that Carrie Hoffman took her five-year-old son to the Mall of America with a friend. And um, she has now shared more of her story on Good Morning America. And it is chronicled for us um, by abc13.com. And I'm going to read from that particular post this morning as a reminder um, of some of the things that have happened over the course of time and challenges that families continue to live with because these stories unfold over time and we pray about them when we pray the headline news on the particular day or in the course of it. And then I want us to be mindful of how God answers those prayers and how God works in the midst of often very, very terrible circumstances. So Carrie says of that day, again, um, in April in 2019, she says of that day, I was frozen in time until I was able to speak. And now the time is right in our lives. We've done a lot of healing. uh, And it's time to move forward with the story of the miracle of Landon. So again, she had taken her son Landon with one of his friends to the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota, Um, They had just completed a parent-teacher conference, and they were looking for a way to celebrate. Um, A stranger approached them. She said, well, we were looking at this alligator at the Rainforest Cafe, and a stranger came up. And I realized he was whispering to the boys, and I guess I thought, well, he's going to turn the alligator on for them. But that's when he snatched Landon and ran. And I was frozen. It happened so fast, and I screamed, no. But he'd already thrown my child over the ledge. I don't even remember running down the escalator, but I do remember screaming the whole time, no, Landon's not going to die. She said the incident quickly drew a crowd, obviously, and all she remembers asking them to do was pray. I don't care. um, I didn't care who was looking. If they were looking, then I wanted them to pray. He has a heartbeat. He's breathing. We got to the ambulance, and just before they shut the door, He opened his eyes for just a second. She says Landon was immediately rushed into emergency brain trauma surgery. People gathered. Um, Obviously, many of us across the country lifted up prayers. Um, And finally, the doctor emerged from that operating theater and simply said, your son is going to be okay. She says, listening to him breathing with the machines beeping, well, it was the best sound I had ever heard in my whole life because it meant my child was alive. Landon was in the hospital for four months, um, and she said she journaled to keep track of her son's recovery. 
She made time to attend the first day of kindergarten that year. Um, and uh, that was just five days after he was released um, from the hospital. And that was a great triumph, but obviously Landon had ongoing struggles um, and has some that persisted today. And in May of 2019, a young man, 24 years old, named Emmanuel Aranda, pleaded guilty to attempted first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to 19 years in prison. He was reportedly banned from the mall on two other instances and said that on that day he was looking for someone to kill. His, Landon's mother <clears throat> said in this ABC interview, I have forgiven him. I have forgiven him. It's a decision you have to make so that God can do what he needs to do in your life. And in our life, that was to save Landon. So there's more to this story. I encourage you to, um, to, to read in on it or to um, check it out um, with your local ABC affiliate. But Landon is now eight years old, and he enjoys playing hockey. He's looking forward to his birthday in January. And this is what his mother said. And I want you to remember this, this Christmas season, as lots of families continue to struggle in myriad ways. Angels caught my son. There's no denying that. Was he injured? Yes. Have we had to live through all kinds of pain? Yes. But sometimes God allows us to go through things to teach us something. And I'm just thankful today, this is Carmen speaking, um, that God is now using this precious sister's voice to glorify him, to acknowledge his presence and his care, and to give witness to the power of prayer. So let's keep praying the headline news of the day personally for people in particular situations because God is still at work. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Welcoming now, Adam Holtz, our friend from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I mean, my list is Good. long. I'm definitely the person who, you know, is still waiting for my picture Christmas cards to arrive that will obviously get to people after Christmas. And I'm the person who today is going either to the UPS store or the post office to ship gifts across the country, which, yes, I recognize is just like horrendously late. There you go. That's me. No, That's who no, I no, am. no, no, you're not horrendously late. It's before Christmas. You're fine. <laughs> we have not started shopping. We have not thought about a Christmas card. We haven't done any of those things because, well, there are other things to do. So, you know, there the are week, we'll get to so many other things to do. <laughs> so right. you'll appreciate this. It has nothing to do with anything. But my wife and I are doing a skit at our women's breakfast at church this morning on marriage and gift giving. And I had nightmares all night about the skit. So apparently my subconscious <laughs> is more anxious about this skit than I thought I was. <laughs> okay, so I read an article over the weekend about um about the best free gifts to give. Free. Oh, I like and it. I okay. and I liked I liked this one the best. Candor. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, all I have to do is show up then and we're good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Just give her the gift of candor. Yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. All right. Let's uh, let's let's talk about Avatar, the way of water. I mean, Avatar oh, is a completely different world, right? So when we start talking about when we start talking about these kinds <laughs> of, of movies and conversations, you know, part of this for me is um, an acknowledgement that the human imagination is really incredible, and people do imagine that the world is um, not. Uh, not all that there is or may not be all that there is and that human beings may not be, um, you know, the only kind of intelligent life. Talk with us about Avatar and the world of Avatar and then this particular version, which is The Way of Water. Yeah. So this is the second Avatar movie. The first one came out in 2009. These are the people who are uh, blue. These are the people who are blue. And this is, um, it's kind of, um, it's James Cameron's, capstone and if you're not familiar with james cameron some of his other movies he did the first two terminator movies he did aliens he did the abyss he did of course titanic um so uh, honestly everything he's done for the last 30 years has pretty much turned to gold and it's not wise to bet against him so avatar of course is the biggest movie of all time it made almost three billion dollars internationally um and i think that's because speaking to what you're talking about Cameron imagined this world, and the world is Pandora. It's actually a moon that orbits a big Jupiter-like planet, and it's, I would call it Edenic. This is an unspoiled, beautiful sort of, you know, reflection on what would life be like on an alien world that was pretty much perfect, and it's inhabited by these humanoids that are bipedal. They look like people, except they have big sort of cat-like eyes, and they have tails. Oh, and they're blue. So think of them as sort of a cat people-ish hybrid. Uh, in that movie, um, of course, the humans are bad here. The humans are the alien invaders. They go to the planet and they begin mining what they call unobtainium in the first one. Uh, in the first movie and this one are both really at a, a pretty obvious level parables against capitalism uh, against rampant industrialism, against the military-industrial complex. Uh, it's hard not to see it as a frontal attack on the U.S., frankly. They're going to be people who are offended by by Cameron's pretty obvious political and environmental perspective. Uh, but in that one, a guy named Jake Sully has his consciousness inserted into one of these big blue aliens and they've grown them in a lab and that's why it's called avatar because an avatar is you know a representation of yourself well jake um as the old saying goes i don't know that i can still say this kind of goes native he meets a woman there they fall in love and they fight off the humans and you know kill all the bad guys that's the first movie we're not even to the second one yet um but that's the background so time has passed they've had three children uh, again, it's Eden-like. It's a it's a delightful, amazing existence. But wouldn't you know it? The humans show up again, and they are bent on pillaging and you know destroying the environment. And the bad guy they killed in the first one has had his consciousness, which they saved, you know, on a, a floppy disk. I'm assuming inserted into another one of these big blue aliens, and so he's hunting Jake Sully and his family. And they flee to this island nation of a different tribe of the Navi. That's what the aliens are called. Uh, And uh, then uh, chaos and violence ensue. 
So uh, I'm going to take a breath there. And there's more to say, both good and bad. But um, this is a this is a big movie. Uh, it's three hours and 12 minutes. So like go on a water fast that day if you're going to see it. <laughs> um, on the plus side, um, terrific movie about family, about marriage, about parenthood, about fatherhood. Multiple times in this movie, we hear Jake Sully's character say, fathers protect. And the other thing that he says over and over is Sully's, that's his last name, Sully's stick together. Um, and, and so you get this fierce sort of pro-family story. Um, and in the midst of that, you get a lot of violence. Uh, you can't ignore the fact that even though they're digitized, these aliens are, for all intents and purposes, almost naked. Uh, and there is some alien nudity in play. And their bodies look human, so I'll let your imagination run with that. Um, and we we get a spirituality that sort of feels like Gaia or Mother Earth worship. They um, worship a goddess named Awa, who like is and lives in and is around the planet. I mean, it feels like one part force, one part pantheism, and maybe a quarter part monotheism. But there's a lot of spirituality here. Uh, and quite a bit of profanity, too. So lots to navigate. Um, it's a staggeringly beautiful film, Carmen. I did not want to like it. I find James Cameron's success kind of annoying. I'm not a fanboy, but uh, this is a beautiful film. And there's about an hour in the middle that's almost like a National Geographic special as he you know, unpacks this aquatic world full of pseudo sharks and whales and fish and uh, it's amazing. The man's imagination is is incredible, and I think this thing is going to make billions of dollars. So, um, Adam, I, I think that one of the things that I want to say to our listeners um, is there's lots of opportunity here for worldview conversation. Um, Absolutely, it, sh- it shouldn't be lost on us the the that there's this very unique family that needs protecting. Um, and yeah. they have to flee and they're being pursued. Um, and right. And, right? Um, and yeah, uh, there's and a. Can we take it one step further? Mm-hmm. There is, they have an adopted child mm-hmm. who apparently was born of an immaculate conception. So there is, yeah. <laughs> there is a Christ there's figure a, in there too. It's actually a weird Christmas movie. There you go. Yes, it's a it's very a, it's, weird Christmas movie. <laughs> it's a very weird Christmas movie. And if you keep that in mind, um, that might help you in your conversations with your with your teenagers. Like, have them draw out the parallels. Ask them what they see. Um, we're going to continue our conversation with um, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In in just a moment. Um, and let me just say this. Is there an unrelenting jingle in your mind when you think about Christmas? Is there an ad when you were growing up that, like, as soon as I say, hey, when you were growing up, do you remember those polar bears holding hands or those people holding hands all over the world? Is there a jingle associated with that in your mind? And if so, what is it? That's up next on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, 
Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Grab a Coke and a smile, people. Adam, Adam, what is it about, like, these jingles? I mean, they completely get stuck in our heads, and they're so sticky. What's going on there? They are sticky. And so I want to actually take a, um, we'll call it a pop culture conundrum, and I want to go in a fairly profound direction. So... Psalm that's an awfully big course. promise. That's a that's a big well, promise at the here, start of just, a conversation. <laughs> just wait. Here's where we're going because it just came to me. So Psalm 139 says we're fearfully and wonderfully made, right? And mm-hmm. even though scientists know a great deal about how the brain biologically works and how the mind, which we might call the ghost in the machine, uh, interacts somehow with that, there's tons of mystery there. But what we know is that the mind is constantly forming new neural pathways. And those connections, if we revisit them, can be reinforced. And so when we hear a jingle over and over and over again, all you had to do was say two polar bears holding hands. And I started singing that song. Right. And swaying. Were your hips? Did your hips sway? My hips sway with the polar bear hips. you know, my hips are sitting in my chair, so they didn't sway too much. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so when that that musical thing is reinforced with a visual image, mm. we now have two of the five senses that are in play. And when it's when we get hit with it over and over and over again, I mean, scientists are continuing to discover that there is something about that that they don't fully understand that it just gets, you know, burned into our synaptic tissue. Um, and they call it a phonological loop. And they think that there is something about um, the way the mind interacts with music and words that is very core to our learning language in the first place. So this is sort of a, a fundamental or foundational uh, living skill And the music just takes it and reinforces it. And further, uh, and another thing, um, when we're teenagers and when we're children, when our brains are still developing, we are even more susceptible to having those songs, you know, burned in. I haven't seen an Oscar Mayer commercial with the Oscar Mayer (gasps) jingle in probably 30 years, but but we could both sing it right now, right? I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. Exactly. That is what you know, I really want to be. My mm-hmm. baloney has a first name. It's OSC. Oh, yes. Yes. Amen. My baloney has a second name. It's M-A-Y-E-R. You know, I love to eat it every day. It's there. I was telling Paul on the break, <laughs> if I have Alzheimer's someday, I may not remember my family, but I'll still be able to sing the Oscar Mayer wiener jingle. Now, back to the profound. The and profound Amazing Grace. Thing. And Amazing yeah. Grace. And all, the Lord's Prayer. Like, those are the things. Yes. Like, right? All of that. This this phenomenon. Right phonological loop we can reinforce yep. it with with worthy things as well that's right so i think the fact that we may get an annoying jingle in our head is actually surprising testimony to the amazing way that god has made our minds and a reminder 
that, you know, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Because music is powerful. There's something about it that touches our souls. And when it's repeated, um, you know, a jingle, you know, maybe it just gives you a nice nostalgic feeling. I don't think there was anything particularly ominous or nefarious about the Oscar Mayer jingle being stuck in my head. But you think about the music you listened to as a kid. Um, some of those songs have messages that are a lot more problematic. And so I think there's a bigger conversation to be had here just about the influence of music and why it may be one of the most powerful things that our kids interact with. And we need to be aware of that because uh, we know that it's influencing the way our brains work. Yeah, um, it's a powerful tool for scripture memorization. Um, and so I encur encourage you to use music to help you memorize scripture. Maybe that would be um, something that you could look at over these holidays on long car trips um, and something that you could start doing together as a family if that's maybe a new practice for you. Hey, Adam, as always, thank you so much. Tons of great resources right now at um, Focus on the Families Plugged In. You can find it all at PluggedIn.com. Um, thank you so much, Adam. We just love you, man. You bet. Thanks, Carmen. Absolutely. All right, let's take a break for Breakpoint. Oh, come, all you unfaithful, come, weak and unstable, come, know you are not. Back in February, 24th of February, 2022, when Russia invaded Ukraine, I'm, I'm pretty certain that we did not think the Ukrainians would still be standing in valiant resistance at Christmas. And yet they are. Russia um, has sent a new volley of missile strikes across the country targeting energy facilities and infrastructure. And so those U.S. ambulances we talked about yesterday with Chris Manson, um, are certainly deployed today, uh, even as 10 more begin to make their way across the Atlantic Ocean um, and to the front lines. God is our help in ages past. He is our hope for years to come. He is our shelter from the stormy blast, and he is our eternal home. We pray the news because that is the first order of business every single day when we read or hear a headline that reminds us how fragile human life is, um, and, and how aggressively human beings conceive of and do evil one against the other. And so today, let us be praying the news for the people of Ukraine. Let us be uh, also praying the news for communities from Texas to Florida, as um, there is a lot, of, uh, a lot of folks on the ground at first light today assisting survivors, cleaning up after dozens of tornadoes, left um, homes and businesses and communities and churches scattered across several southeastern states over the last couple of days. That same storm system has dumped inches of rain in some places and, um, and snow as well. As it reaches New England today, people uh, will be hunkering down, expecting two feet of snow in some places and up to an inch of ice. And yeah, a little ice is nice, but that much ice is just way too much. So all of this has me uh, mindful of um, those who are still cleaning up from fires and floods and earthquakes and hurricanes, 
not only from these past months and this past year, but for years past. And so I thought um, it would be beneficial to us to check in. It was just three months ago, September 28th, um, that Hurricane Ian slammed into Florida's Gulf Coast. Sanibel Island took a direct and devastating hit. We talked with Pastor Jeremy Rennie soon after the storm, and we thought, you know what, let's follow up with him about how everybody is doing and um, what Christmas looks like in a year that everything was lost. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Mary, did you know that your baby boy Pastor Jeremy Rennie is back with us today. He's the pastor of the Sanibel Community Church in Sanibel Island, Florida, which now frequently worships in Fort Myers at a sister congregation, Fort Myers Community Church. Jeremy, welcome back. Hey, great to talk to you again, Carmen. So I'm noting that um, there's a chapel service on on normally on Sundays, maybe not this, well, maybe this Sunday, but maybe not on Christmas Sunday, um, at Sanibel Community Church, 1740 Periwinkle Way, Sanibel. So that suggests to me that there has been enough recovery to um, have services back on the island. Yeah, uh, we um, have cleaned out and uh, sort of the children's wing. So it's just like literally cinder blocks and metal <laughs> studs. And we have a bunch of um, plastic chairs set up in there. And, um, and and so we've been holding, we're calling a chapel service. It's it's not a church or a campus or anything. It's just, it's kind of like a mission onto the island. So, so it's kind of funny. Our main church meets in Fort Myers now, Sunday nights. But Sunday morning, we're launching a mission back onto the island because people are starting to move back there. There's contractors who are there for weeks. And we, you know, it's like we got a, an old beat up table and wrote with a big Sharpie on it, you know, service, you know, Sunday mornings, 10. And, uh, and then inside it's this is kind of shell of a building and we've strung up Christmas lights overhead for a little bit of illumination. So it looks like a kind of a post-apocalyptic beer garden. It's a really cool (laughs) (laughs) kind of vibe in there. And, uh, and it's been great. So we've been able to do what we're just calling a chapel service. And, and it's great because we get to preach the gospel to all kinds of people who are coming through, but also, um, you know, provide a place for people who are moving back to the island already to just have a little bit of community because it's it's not it's still not a nice place to live. It's it's still rough on the island. So it's been a really cool opportunity. Let's talk about um, it's not it's not really a nice place to live. I think when we think about Sanibel Island, we think of one of the most idyllic places in the world to live. Um, yes. Three months is really not a very long period of time in terms of recovery, but it's it's an eternity in terms of, you know, the things that um, the rest of us are paying attention to. And so um, because you live in a place and serve in a community where you, you can't move on, um, bring those of us who, frankly, have moved on from Hurricane Ian, bring us um, back to that place. Tell us what the circumstances are, how you're doing, how your neighbors are doing, um, how, how's the recovery going? Yeah, I appreciate that. So, so, you know, you can look at it one of two ways <clears throat> you can, you can consider how far we've come. And honestly, it's amazing. You know, they have power, uh, onto a lot of places on the Island. They're cleaning up piles of debris. So from that perspective, you know, when I say it's not a nice place to live, it's actually, I mean, they're really, they're doing, making great strides, but in terms of comparing it to what it once was, like you said, mm-hmm. this sort of um, you know, idenic, beautiful, 
barrier island sort of place. I mean, the beaches are still, you know, eroded and there's trash that's washed up on the beach. The and and people are, you know, the, the way they take care of debris is people empty out their houses and they put it on the side of the road. And then these huge trucks, I mean, they're just massive. They come along with these big cranes that are in the middle of the truck and they just pick up garbage. And they've been doing this like all day, every day for months. And, and they, you think like, oh, they'd have it cleared by now, but then like more debris comes out as people are able to clean out their houses. So, so it's just kind of a long marathon of cleanup. Um, And, and, you know, the, like the millions of cubic yards of just, garbage that they have to haul where is it going um i think uh (laughs) away (laughs) it's going somewhere uh away from sandable i assume somewhere like in central florida where they're processing this stuff but i mean it really you you just can't believe how much how much stuff there is Mm -hmm. that we have and uh, until you see it all on the side of the road it's it's very disorienting yeah um, you recently posted on on the sanibelchurch.com website this just personal reflection on hurricane guilt. Can you read us in on that? Yeah. So um, one of the things I've been doing is writing letters to the church uh, as part of my ministry to them. And, and the letters are, they're not so much sermons, they're more like devotionals and also kind of just my opportunity to process my own, you know, feelings and emotions. And But anyway, one of the, the repeated refrains I hear from people in our church is guilt which is kind of funny because it's, you know, hurricanes, no one's fault, but people who've been slammed by the hurricane, they feel guilty that they can't help other people. Mm-hmm. And people whose houses are untouched feel guilty that their house was untouched. So, you know, you ask them, you're like, man, how'd your house do? And those people are like, they're almost embarrassed to tell you we didn't get any damage. So, so I just wrote about, you know, like w- when we feel guilt, that's not rooted in objective guilt. I mean, if you do something wrong, obviously you're objectively guilty and you should feel conviction but um so so i so i wrote about just trusting in the sovereignty of god that if one person's house was slammed and your house was spared god was sovereign over that and he's working out all kinds of purposes through it so you can kind of rest in his sovereignty and then also just not um taking it upon yourself to be responsible for the whole world um god calls you to do what you can do you're you're frail we all have our limits we have emotional and physical limits and and I think there's something kind of humbling in that because as Americans we tend to be like can do we're going to fix it we're optimistic which is a great which are great traits but like we have our limits we are just vapor like the scriptures say and so so just kind of giving permission to people to be like I can't do anymore and that's okay because God is ultimately sovereign. Um, the whole post is such a gift um, and. I want to um, tell folks it's going to be in my show notes today, um, the entirety of the post, but you can read it and you can um, keep up to date on what's happening at Sanibel Community Church and its people and know how to pray for them at sanibelchurch.com. We're talking with Pastor Jeremy Rennie. Um, you know, share with us, um, and maybe we'll take a very brief break and we can do this when we come back. Um, I okay. think that I think that for a lot of people, they're... Um, there's a lot of un- unknown and unknowing, um, you know, rebuilding physical buildings or replacing material possessions. That's actually not the hardest part of recovery. So I'm wondering if when we come back, you'll you'll just tell us some stories, um, obviously protecting people's personal information. But tell us some stories about, you know, some of the challenges that people are facing that maybe have been a bit of a surprise. Because, again, it's the physical stuff 
ends up not being the hardest part. Could we do that when we come back? Love to. We're talking with Pastor Jeremy Rennie um, from Sanibel Community Church. You can find him at sanibelchurch.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. We're talking with Pastor Jeremy Rennie from the Sanibel Community Church, Sanibel Island, Florida. Um, We have a friend who has texted in, hey, I'm listening from Fort Myers. My place is on Captiva. Um, Thank you for continuing to remember us. So um, thank you, sweet friend, for texting in this morning as well, letting us know that you're out there. And we have been praying in an ongoing way. But, you know, I'll just acknowledge, Jeremy, that, right, we are also praying for people in Ukraine. And now we're praying for folks across the Southeast, um, you know, who who have weathered the path of a tornado and um, and on and on and on and on and on go the go the challenges that people face. You are living in the midst of this. Um, talk with us about the, the, the parts of recovery that actually don't have anything to do with physical buildings or material possessions. Yeah, um, that's a great question because in some ways those are the invisible struggles. Um, I, I think one of the things that m- many people in my church are wrestling with is uh, w- just whether whether or not they're going to stay here, what their future is. I mean, you know, you, you have your whole life planned out, right? And and you think, okay, we've we've moved here. I'm retiring here. We've got our home we've always wanted on Sanibel or in Fort Myers or Captiva. And then this thing happens. Um, and then, you know, it's not as simple as, oh, the insurance will rebuild my house. Um, you know, insurance. Is Someday. Whole, yeah, that's right. It's a whole long conversation. Someday. There's long conversations about FEMA, right, and all this stuff. So, so, so what ends up happening is that people are, are really assessing whether or not they can still live here. Some people are. And, but th- like you said, that's not just about houses and things. That's like your, your life and your future and what you thought your life was going to be. And when you have your, you're kind of like life upended when, when the narrative that you had sort of written for your future gets like those pages get torn out and thrown away. And now you don't know what it is. It's a very disorienting experience um, it, I think it's really good for the soul, frankly, uh, because you have to live by faith uh, in a way that that you don't when you kind of know what your future is and you kind of know what everything's going to be. So, so I think that's that's what's going on right now with a lot of folks, and um, so it's just shepherding people through that and kind of affirming and embracing the uncertainty. So we did this thing where, like, one of the things we're trying to figure out with our um, like our elders is just like, where are the people of the church? So we actually did it. We've been calling people, but then we did like a big survey where we just said, are you intending to eventually live here in this area and go to our church? Or are you uncertain or are you moving away? Just so we had like a sense of the status of everybody. So we've been going through that survey now and calling people and following up. Amazing. You know, it's like, you know, a a large percentage of people who are uncertain about their future. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's given us a great, sort of window to shepherd and care for our our members and our congregation. 
Um, but but those are the invisible things you don't see, you know. And once all the trash is gone, and you're like, well, everything looks normal, but people are still wrestling with their their lives and their futures. Um, Jeremy, how can we um, how can we be praying for you? And are there? I mean, it, it, when I say that, then are there also maybe a specific person or family that comes to mind that you say, hey, here's here's somebody who is in particular need right now as well. Um, pray for two uh, women named Vicky. They're both named Vicky. Wonderful servants in the church. Incredible sisters who just pour their lives out. Uh, like Paul says about widows in the, you know, in First Timothy, you know, they wash the feet of the saints. And mm. um, and one of them, they're just going to have to leave their apartment. They don't know where they can, where they're going, where she's going to go. Um, and they. In apartments right now are hard to find; they're expensive. And another Vicky lived in a uh, a mobile home, and that got destroyed. And so she wants to move back here, but you know may have to live in a FEMA trailer. Uh, FEMA provides temporary housing for like eighteen months, but you don't know where that trailer is going to be, whether or not she'll be a part of the church family. So right now she's sort of um, living with family there. So think of the two Vickys, um, mm-hmm. and just for the, for God to provide housing for them. Uh, and, and these are, like I said, just dear sisters who, who tirelessly serve this church and, and, and there's more, but I thought that'd be easy to remember two Vickies. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our brother, Jeremy. We thank you for his family. We thank you for, um, the opportunity to serve you in the midst of this particular community and its travail. We thank you for his faithfulness. We ask an outpouring of spiritual resources upon him and his family and the elders of his church, um, that they would be fully equipped for every good work you have set before them to do. We acknowledge that um, you have ordained that they be there for this time to serve you in a unique way, in a unique um, place. And so we we ask that you strengthen them and encourage them. And Father, for these two Vickies, we, um, we pray with our brother Jeremy and others that you would provide housing for each of them, that you would um, make a way where right now there seems to be no way. You are good and you are gracious, and we thank you for preserving their lives, and we ask that you would now provide them um, a way forward um, that's, that's meaningful and good and substantial. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Carmen. Yeah, Jeremy, um, thank you. I hope we can check up with you um, again. We would be honored. Yeah. Just um, let folks know, we, um, we haven't forgotten. Our prayers continue, and we look forward to helping in other ways as you, as you let us know what those look like. Hey, thank you very much. Absolutely. Hey, remember, you guys can um, check in on what is happening through the Sanibel Community Church, and if you want to give directly, there's a way to do, their, to do that on their website as well, sanibelchurch.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. When you think about lists this time of year, I'm wondering what kind of lists you think about. Are you thinking about uh, the, the nice list and the naughty list? Or are you thinking about your name engraved on the palm of God's hand? Are you thinking about your name in the book of life? That, that list. I'm going to encourage us as Christians to be thinking about 
um, that list and, and those lists of names um, and, and where our names are kept in terms of the heart and the hand of God. Um, but there is a, a particularly um, naughty list out there, and that is a list that the United States keeps of um, uh, blacklisted countries who are naughty and uh, blacklisted companies. And so the United States has placed an additional 36 Chinese companies on its naughty list. Uh, it's, it's actually called the Commerce Department blacklist, but there you go. Um, and uh, uh, they're all linked to the Chinese military. And one of those, um, this is not going to surprise you, it's been, it's been on there for a long period of time, and that's TikTok. And so the U.S. Senate has passed a ban of TikTok on all government devices. You've, you have seen this as a trend across the country in terms of states banning the use of TikTok on any government-issued devices, um, and the Senate has now sent the bill to the House. And you say to yourself, what? I mean, you know, I thought TikTok was a place where people post videos of doing silly things. Okay, here's the challenge. Once a kid in the United States of America downloads TikTok, it takes less than 30 minutes for TikTok to be um, pushing content to them that is destructive, targeted and destructive. That's not the same thing that kids in China experience when they download TikTok. There it's used as an educational app. Um, They see uh, video tours of um, historical locations and museums. They learn about music. Here in the United States, the TikTok app is designed to draw our children into destructive behaviors. I mean, I I don't know any other way to say it. Two-thirds of American teenagers have TikTok on their phones. This is an intervention that we have got to get on top of. So I want you to have a conversation with the teenagers in your life about whether or not TikTok is on their phones um, and have a real conversation about deleting it, a real conversation about deleting it. Um, And if you need some backup for that, I mean, if the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House can agree on anything these days, if there's a bipartisan effort to do something, um, then something something's up, right? Because there's so much dissension and division in Congress. They do agree on this, and that is that TikTok should be banned from at least all government devices. And um, and I'm going to say, you know, it, it ought to be deleted from uh, from from every from every smartphone in the hand of every kid. Um, so. Um, That's on my naughty list this Christmas, wondering, uh, you know, if there are things on your nice and naughty list this Christmas. Let us be sure that we find our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. Like, that's ultimately the list we want to be on. And then remember that, you know, you actually top Jesus's wish list for Christmas. You know, the, the song goes, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. All Jesus wants for Christmas is you. That's it. So if you've been thinking, you know, what is the gift I should bring to the manger throne of Christ? The gift of God wrapped in human flesh and lying in a manger. Well, I can tell you the gift he wants. He wants you. Think about presenting yourself to Christ as a gift this Christmas. And then spend the rest of your life allowing him to unwrap that. Thank you so much for um, your time today. This has been Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. If you missed any portion of the program or want to share it with someone else, you can get it later today at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you down 
your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.